welcome everyone to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast. Our listeners on both Talk Radio, WWDB, and WPEN, HD2, 97.5 FM. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. Today's show is brought to you by VisitDelcoPA.com. We will start this excellent episode with Jerry Edwards from Chef's Expressions at the Manor in Baltimore, Maryland. Then we will be talking to author Angie Schneider, whose latest book is Pressure Canning for Beginners and Beyond. And then we're going to end this episode for our Drive Time listeners on WPN, HD2, and WWDB. We're going to give you some great places in the Philadelphia tri-state area to go eat. We're going to name some great restaurants that you can go out and eat at. Let's get the show started Chef Gene, introduce your great guest. Well, it's a great honor to introduce Chef Jerry Edwards from Chef's Expressions and The Manor. Jerry is not only a mentor and role model, but those lucky enough to count him on as, as a friend have a real special person there in their corner. Chef Jerry, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you, Gene. So, Jerry, Chef's Expressions, probably the most highly acclaimed caterer in the Baltimore region, but you are so much more. You are a consultant. You are a wine expert. You run tours of the wine country in France. You do wine dinners at the Manor and beyond. Tell us a little bit about where you came from and your background. So, um, you know, we, we are from the same city, Philadelphia. I grew up in Philadelphia. I absolutely always loved cooking, as, you know, as, as many chefs grew up at my grandmother's knee and, and, and by the stove and really always was entranced by the whole idea of, of creating foods that were different and unusual and also making people happy. That was my big thing. I always loved to make people happy. And uh, food is, is, is my vehicle for that. So... That's my start. Uh, the rest of the story is a long one. <laughs> it's been about 40 right, years well, of business. Yeah, a little diverse. You actually attended uh, Towson University down in the Baltimore region. So, you know, I know you were from Philadelphia originally. You're actually from kind of the, the Philadelphia Delco line there. Sorry, I didn't that hear that. I'm sorry. I said originally I know you um, attended Towson University, so you have some – ties to Maryland, but here in Philadelphia, I know you got your start in like the Philadelphia, Delaware County area, you know, you kind of grew up around the same stopping grounds as Dominic Savino and in that area. Um, what took you yeah, down to the Baltimore buddy. area? So in 76, 1976, my father uh, was transferred to Baltimore uh, from his, with his company, and I came down here, and I had worked at a couple of restaurants in, in Philadelphia, just basically you know, prep cook, just chopping vegetables and whatnot. Uh, worked for a short, short time for George Perrier, actually. 
which was a really interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> I think you can call it that. But then um, came here and uh, been here ever since that. Love this area. Love the people here. It was very exciting for me. I uh, went to college at Towson University. And when I got out of college, I really wanted to get into the food business. I didn't want to do anything else. So during college, I worked in many food food jobs as well. Uh, so I went to this lady who had a little uh, sandwich shop, and she wanted to sell her sandwich shop. So I said, hey, I want to buy your sandwich shop. She says, I said, how much do you want for it? She said, $5,000. I said, I only have two. And she said, I'll take it. So I literally wrote her a check for $2,000 right there on the spot. She gave me the keys. She walked away. And I started my business that way. I also realized I didn't have any money to actually buy groceries to to start the business. So um, I uh, went to my vendors who I'd been dealing with in in my job and said, hey, can you guys spot me for a week? And they go, sure. I'm still dealing with three of those vendors today. Well, that's testimony to the – you know, strength relationships in our industry is something you know very well. Um, one of the other things that, you know, I truly am amazed with you is your palate when it comes to pairing wines and foods together. So, you know, how did that influence come about with, you know, your passion and your love of wines and beverages? So, obviously, I've always been interested in food. When I was a young man around 20. I had started my business when I was 21, a little sandwich shop, but I didn't want it to be more than a sandwich shop. I wanted it to be a place where I could create some really interesting dishes for people. I read a book called Red Wine with Fish by Joshua Wesson and Dave Rosengarten. And the book was talking about how you really need to taste the wine first and then create the dish. And that's my philosophy, always has been my philosophy since then. So every week or every month we have a wine supper and to create the dinner, we will taste the wines first and each wine that we love that we want to put into the dinner, we will create a recipe for that specific wine, that specific vintage, because every wine is different. I can't change the wine, but I can change the food any way I want to. And that's kind of a lot of fun for me. It's a, it's a great expression. Uh, I've turned a lot of people onto that. They've had a great time with it. And it's really, to me, that is the way that you should be preparing food and wine. You know, that's kind of a novel idea, but it, it makes absolute total sense. We can't change the wine, but we can change the food. You know, such a simple concept. And one of the things that you do best is take, you know, the mystique of wine and food and make it, you know, very simple. I remember sitting through some wine pairing classes uh, that you taught for NACE and ISIS and sitting through them and just walking away saying, you know, he just made what's such, you know, has such mystique or such mystery. And he just made it every day and simple. And, you know, it's something that I really always admired about you and, and, and love that. So the wine tasting dinners that you have, they're at the manor or are they through Chef's Expressions or? So, so, Last year, during COVID, we merged with the Matter Tavern restaurant. My brother-in-law and sister are part owners in that in that restaurant, and they had been talking to me about getting together with them for years. And I said, I'm not really interested in changing my particular format because I have it pretty much set in stone and things are rolling pretty nicely. But COVID hit, 
And I thought, this is a good opportunity. And I did. So we merged together. The dinners are sometimes at the Manor Tavern Restaurant, which is in Moncton, Maryland. It's a beautiful country scene. It's a gorgeous old place. In fact, it's so old that actually they, there's a, a story that George Washington's horse was stabled there at one time. So that's how old this place is. I live in I also knew somebody everywhere up here, so I, I understand uh, he that. He did, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he slept a lot, that guy, yeah. Anyway, um, we have some of the dinners at the Gramercy Mansion, which is a, a one of our favorite venues. We do a lot of weddings at the Gramercy Mansion. And then some of them I do at my own private home, which is really great because then it's a kind of a much more personal experience. They're, they're, the, they're the ones where I bring the winemakers in, and they come in and they – you know, they want to show their 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 expression of what they do for uh, in, in way making wine. So we can be much more personal. Let them talk to the people as well as myself talking to the to the to the guests and explaining what we're trying to accomplish with this dinner. But you know, you talk about making things simple. My feeling is this: whether I'm creating food for somebody at a, at my home or I'm creating it in the restaurant, I believe this: everyone is an expert in food and drink. You've been doing it your whole life. You know what you like. My goal is to give you something that you haven't tried before that you're going to like. That's my goal. Well, a wonderful idea in the hospitality industry is to, you know, accept that people do have some background and knowledge and, and teach them a little bit more. Chef's Expressions. How long has it been in existence? I know it's you know, the premier caterer in the Baltimore area, obviously, with the mansion and some of the other properties down there. I saw your menus. I saw many of the reviews. Absolutely phenomenal food presentation pairings that you do. Tell us a little bit about Jeff's Expression. So uh, it's 40 years old. We started out as a little sandwich shop and pretty quickly got into catering. In fact, I had a lady call me one day from – she had lunch at my little sandwich shop, and she said, uh, uh, do you cater? And I turned to my wife, and I said, Judy, do we cater? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and that's how it got started. So we've been doing it for 40 years. It's a great business because it's it keeps you on your toes. In a restaurant, you're in the same place with pretty much the same kind of clientele day in and day out. In catering, you will have completely different clientele every time. You have a completely different venue, a completely different menu, a completely different concept and idea. It's so interesting. It's so wonderful to go in, take a blank space, and then create your own restaurant for these people and their own event for these people. So, And catering has become pretty uh, exceptional across the country. I mean, there are some amazing caterers in this country that do some beautiful, beautiful work. The detail that goes into it is sometimes mind-boggling. It really is. But I'm a detail guy. I love the details, and I love the artistry. So I'd like, I'm like a left and right brain kind of person. But I have to say the most important thing to me, I just want people to be happy. And I just want them to, you know, to be able to celebrate the important moments of their lives in a positive way. Well, I know a big feature of your product is seasonability and, you know, really working with fresh ingredients whenever possible. You know, we see that more and more every day in our industry, um, you know, chefs getting back to the roots and, and looking to do seasonal products and all that. But you've been doing that for a number of years, 
And if I'm correct, you even have some kitchen gardens and such there associated yeah. with chef's expression in the manor. You know, right? So, so, what do so you the manor tavern. Yeah, the, the, well, the, nothing much coming out right now is just some gourds. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that's the tough part about being in the Northeast. You really are subject to the weather, and you really have a, a pretty short growing season as opposed to California, for example. But we do have uh, – we're on a six-acre six property, and we have a large, large garden uh, where actually this year we had – at one time I had 500 tomatoes in my walk-in at one time. So it was just incredible amount of, of growth. It was a great year for, for produce. So growing that is one thing. But also working with local farmers. We're in the farm community. We work with local farmers on their meats. We, we use their beef. We use um, their, their ducks. We use um, their eggs. So we, we use a lot of things that are local um, to the area. Again, it's seasonal, though. So dead of winter, we're not going to get so much um, – local produce, so you have to go elsewhere. But I will tell you this, <clears throat> I love cooking seasonally. And my favorite time of year is right now, fall, for cooking. There's something about the earthiness and the flavors and the spices that can be used and the, and the, and the spice blends to make autumnal food just wonderful, warm, and inviting for people. And I think, to me, it's my favorite time of, year, of the year to cook. I would agree with you 100% on that. I love fall flavors. I love, you know, fall squashes. I love the hearty soups and bisques that you'll get this time of year. I eat, you know, the late seasonal vegetables with, you know, kale and, and Brussels sprouts coming through now. And you still get some broccoli and some other things coming in. What a great time of year. And then when you mix that in with, you know, pumpkin and, and just other great, flavors that are coming about now it really is a wonderful wonderful time of year and it's also you know down in the chesapeake you're just coming out of you know coming into the end of the crab season into the seafood season down there out of the bay so you get a lot of that coming out too which i'm sure influences your menus down there in the baltimore region oh yeah the oysters and the rockfish are, are plentiful right now which is great. We actually had a great crab season too, even though crab prices went crazy because this country, it's market driven. And of course, all the, the, um, because of COVID, all the crab prices from overseas went out of control and it raised the price of everything else. But uh, yes, Chesapeake Bay area is a great area for cooking for great, great seafood. Also, there's some great waterfowl that we, we do a lot of quail, we do a lot of duck, um, here. I think it's the most interesting thing for me and the most exciting thing for me about cooking these days is my guests. They are much more sophisticated than they used to be. They know a lot more about food and they're much more adventurous. And I'm sure you've seen this, Gene. There's been a huge salty sweet, uh, I guess, revelation in this country. People are understanding that the, that the juxtaposition of those two flavors works so well that you're seeing salt in, in dessert dishes, but you're also seeing sweet in savory dishes. And I think it's a Absolutely. really, really interesting, interesting turn. And it really has changed. I think it's in the last 10 years. I think I'm seeing more of that happening. And, I, and I'm excited about it myself. Can so, I? Prior to COVID, chef. 
Go ahead. Oh, my bad. I was just going to say while I was scrolling through, I, I'm scrolling through right now your photos of all your food, and it's I'm like drooling over here but um off of the 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 savory sweet although it's not so savory sweet i i wanted to say like you have a a miso a miso glazed bacon which i've never actually (laughs) seen before and it's under your fall menu and i'm like oh i want that (laughs) yeah so that is actually a salty sweet combination um but it's also introduces some acid too so Basically, it's maple syrup and miso that have been cooked down. So the miso is the salt, the maple syrup is the sweet. But then we add rice vinegar to add that, that, that acidity, and then a little bit of cayenne pepper. And then we slowly cook. It takes about two hours to make the bacon. Very, very slow at about, about 200 degrees. And it cooks this beautiful piece of bacon that is just unusual in flavor. We all have had candy bacon, but most of them are just heavily sweet, you know. This is really just a beautiful balance back and forth of flavors so we kind of really like doing that but i I love doing that in all dishes i mean one of my favorite dishes that i'm bringing back here uh in the fall is we do a roasted duck which is we heavily salt the skin we roast it and then um you know we uh serve it with a uh a gastric that's made with molasses and um a little bit of vinegar and it's just really delicious it just really makes a great great flavor so you know these these kind of these yeah it's it's the old thing there's four four tastes plus umami which nobody really has been able to figure that one out yet but it's salty sweet sour bitter if you can put two or three into a into a dish you've created something complex and exciting and interesting where you you don't just have that I call it monoflavoric uh, experience where it's just one flavor going through. It changes. Every bite changes. And that's what we love about That's what I love about cooking. That's what I love about delivering food to people. And the same goes to wines. That's, you know, what a good wine will do is it'll change over the course of your dinner. And, and yep. there was a wonderful opportunity there. Right prior to COVID, Chef, you did something very unique that my wife is still talking about. And keep saying that you need to find out if he's doing it again because that's going to be our trip to Europe. That's going to be our next trip to Europe. You took a group of people on a wine and food tour of France as part of the Chef's Expression World. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and what the inspiration was and, and a little bit about that trip. So actually in early 2000s, about 2003, I did my first trip and we, did, we went to Italy but we've gone to seven different countries now with groups of people. I limit it to 15, 16 people. <clears throat> uh, we will, you know, you, you get your airfare, you fly, you show up there. We meet and it's seven to 10 days worth of just great culinary experiences. There's wine tours where we, where we meet the winemakers and we talk to them about, you know, their philosophy on food and wine We'll dine at these at these wineries. We'll go to restaurants that are Michelin star restaurants. We'll do tours of vineyards. We do a lot of it's all again culinary based um, experiences, but it's a full. I mean, it's a full full seven to ten days of uh, getting on a bus and going to this place and going to that place and going, and it's it's pretty exhausting. But people have a great time. We do have a couple of free nights in there for people. But we've had – the, the most beautiful thing about it 
is that these people are now friends. They're friends of mine, but they're friends of each other. And they've created these great friendships and they are traveling together now and they're getting together and they're saying, you got to come with us. I'm like, I can't go this time, but you guys have a good time. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. It's like our wine suppers. Our wine suppers are not, you don't come a party of two and just the two of you sit together. You get sat at a table with six other people and you learn. And the interesting thing about this is that <clears throat> I really do put a lot of time and effort into where I see people. I try to put people together that will enjoy each other's company. We've actually had two people get married who have met their future spouse at these wine suppers. And both of them, of course, were with other dates at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that's good or bad. But okay. I know. I'm laughing. Good, good for them. <laughs> I'm laughing as a single person over here. I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just what, what happens. It's, uh, you know, it's just food is the, the vehicle to create great experiences for people. And it's, it's where we all come together because we all have to eat, right? And that is the one common denominator we all have that we can do. And, it, and the conversation over food is always enhanced. And we serve a lot of wine at these dinners, so that, that helps a bit too. <laughs> well, you know, exactly what you said. Um, I was taking an online class during covid period when everything was shut down and it was through cordell university and they had some speakers from all around the world talking about the hospitality industry and one of the unique things that came about was the idea that when we come out of covid things like replacing the dishwasher at the house or you know upgrading the refrigerator is not going to be as important as an experience and a memory and a quality family time so everything that you're touching on really reinforces that idea that today, you know, coming out of this terrible period that we just came through and, you know, combined with all the other upheaval in the world and things going on, that the experiences that you're you're living and the food that you're eating and the wine that you're drinking and the time that you're spending is what's important. So, you know, you really echo that and it, you know, you're the first person that I've talked to in a while that is really pushing ahead with those experiences. And you know, kudos to you for doing that because I think you're doing the world a great service in that. Well, maybe maybe the little part of the world that I live in, which is fine. Look, we all inhabit this earth together. It's our choice whether we're going to enjoy our life or not because it's going to end for all of us. My philosophy has always been get as much out of it as you possibly can. And like I only sleep about four nights, four hours a night, just my body that does that. And people say, you need more sleep. I go, no, 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 no. We have plenty of sleep, plenty, plenty of time for sleep when I die. <laughs> so for me, yeah. I want to live every day to the fullest. I want to experience it. I want to make people happy. That's my thing. That's it. Pretty simple. Well, your wine dinners and the food at the manor and, you know, the, your classes and any of the programs you're running certainly do that. What's new and exciting? What's What What do you have coming up at the manor? I know you have a wine dinner coming up uh, the next couple of days or so. Yeah, yeah. so Wednesday night we have a wine supper. Uh, it's going to be at the Gramercy Mansion, and this one is um, 
focused on autumn flavors, autumn autumn uh, foods and wines. So it's going to be a beautiful dinner. People are going to have a great time. We've got about 60 people coming. So not as big as we used to get 120 every month, but uh, COVID kind of has hurt that a little bit. But it's, we're coming out of it, and, and it'll 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 pick up again. Uh, but you know, for me right now, I'm I'm working on um, some writings, and I've been doing a lot of writing lately, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, that's been a fun thing, and I really got. I've always I was writing articles for Cater Source magazine and for NACE publications and whatnot. But when when we were all in quarantine last year, every day I sat down on my computer and to stay relevant to my to my clients and my friends, I wrote a recipe and I uh, wrote a story about the recipe. And every day for 89 days in a row I did that, and it really kind of inspired me to do a better job at writing and to become somebody who can, you know, put on paper what I was feeling about what I do for a living. And can the, the listeners and other people, you know, follow you and, and be able to tune into that and, and, and read some of those? Absolutely. They would, would if they just simply get on, 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 on my mailing list, that's all they'd have to do. Sure. They can just send me an email it's easy. It's Jerry Edwards at chefsexpressions.com, and uh, I'm happy to put them on the list, and they they'll, they'll get this stuff on a regular basis. Yes. Well, I strongly suggest to any of our listeners out there, if you really want to tune in to great food, great wine experiences, you do just as the chef did. Shoot an email to Jerry Edwards at chefsexpressions.com and get on that mailing list because. Truly, Jerry, and I, I had an attendance some of his wine classes. I know his pedigree. I, I, you know, would like to say when people say to me, "I'm a highly acclaimed chef," I'm not. I'm not sure I'm, I'm actually fit to carry a chef knife. But you know, chef, one of the few people <laughs> in the world that I, yes, you I truly, truly look up to and respect in the industry. You know, you and, and people like Max Hansen and, and Dominic Savito and such. So you know, really in a, in a league of your own, but, you know, out there teaching every day to those, you know, who those of us who really want to learn more about food and wine. Where else can well, they I find Well, I credit my mother and father. I credit my mother and father because they taught me that when you give somebody something, it makes you feel better. And I feel better whenever I'm mentoring, I'm cooking, um teaching it makes me feel better and that's you know it's a selfish thing but it's the truth well you do have you know anybody who spends time having a conversation with you really gets your philadelphia kind of blue collar you know working class mentality and 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 the roots that you know are are so strong and important to those of us in, the, in this region chef where can people find out more about chef's expressions about the manor, how can we find out more about what's going on in the in the Baltimore food scene with you? Well, again, the mannertavern.com, chefsexpressions.com, any of those work, you can certainly tune in or shoot me an email if you want to know anything at all. I will respond, I promise. Yes, you do. So, well, and I love your I love your um your your trivia. That's my favorite thing, Gene. <laughs> 
He's... Well, thank you, Chef. Thank you. I, you know, and you're, and you're very good at it. So I had to step up. Yeah, well, table. you stump me all the time. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jerry, so much for joining us on the show. And Gene, uh, why don't you let us know when you're going to go there next? Because I would like to join you. Yes. Well, you you are you are all welcome as my guests to a wine supper in the future. <laughs> Thank you so okay. much, Chef. Chef, come on down. You have a great time. To talk to you. Yes, right. I mean, it's a great region. You're in a beautiful area. So yes, you know, yes, it is. Kind of, yeah, we're very happy. All flavors with the Chesapeake and the Delmarva Peninsula and everything such as that. So. Well, it's great to talk to you all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Thank Chef. You, Chef. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Food Farms and Chefs is brought to you by Visit Delco, PA. Don't make a plan this weekend. Make all the plans in Delaware County, PA. Try some arts and crafts by taking in a play at one of our renowned theaters and discover what's on tap at the amazing Delco craft beer scene. Or you can enjoy a bit of rock and roll by exploring the beautiful stone waterfalls at Ridley Creek State Park and try out one of the famous Delco Steaks, voted Best of Philly Cheesesteak for 2021 by Philadelphia Magazine. And maybe get a little wild and free by biking, hiking, or strolling through the trails and gardens throughout the county and walk in the footsteps of those who fought for independence at Brandywine Battlefield. This weekend, you can do it all in Delco. For more information, you can go to visitdelcopa.com. And we're back! Amorous Pollock, introduce your fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. I would like to introduce you to Angie Schneider, who is the who wrote two books, and her recent book is Pressure Canning for Beginners and Beyond, Safe, Easy Recipes for Preserving Tomatoes, Vegetables, Beans, and Meat. Angie, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here with, with you guys this afternoon. I'm excited to have you on. I've actually been, I have an uncle who, who does canning and a friend um, who used to be a co-host and he took up canning. I've tried to make preserves, but didn't know the process. And I mean, it's a little intimidating and you in this book, take it down to every single step. Um, so I, I, this couldn't have been a better book for me to pick up. Oh, that's great. It can be intimidating, especially pressure canning at first. Uh, the uh, first time I pressure canned, I paced the kitchen with the instruction guide, checking it out over and over and over <laughs> for the entire time, making sure that I wasn't skipping anything. And my family left the house because <laughs> they were like, what is that noise going on? And so uh, it was quite, when I look back, I think, oh, that was so funny. It would have been like a great sitcom type of uh, like clip but um but really it's not it's it seems scary until you do it and then it's not yeah and I mean it it really does seem scary um but I I do like the fact as I said it like in the first just like couple of pages you you break it down like step by step by step and it it takes away that intimidating factor because then it's like oh it's not as scary like and and the fact that you you um detailed that there is the the extra like 
just in case rele- release valve that um, little Uh plastic piece and that it's normal for steam to come out of it. I was like, I know if I had purchased um, a pressure canner um, pot, I probably would be, you know, shaking in my boots, like thinking, oh, God, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) Right. And so that's what I had done. Like, this is the book that I wish that I had when I first started canning. Because I, no one taught me. And so I just read the instruction guide that came with my canner and started. And they don't put things in there like that, you know, that that, that is normal and that it will make quite a bit of noise. And steam is supposed to come out, you know, even when you, um, you, you know, you have, when you've done everything properly. And, and so they don't reassure you. They just give you the instructions. And so, um so I think that that's super important for people to know that um, that the little details that I think give you confidence in your canning. Now, what is the huge difference between doing a water bath versus the pressure canning? Sure. Okay. So a, a water bath canning is when you have a big pot that's full of water and you immerse the jars into the water. Um, And you basically boil the jars. The water has to be an inch over the top of the jars and you boil them. And water bath canning is used for high acid foods. And those would be most of your fruits are considered high acid foods. Um, Tomatoes are right on the line. And so we add some acid to them to make them safe for water bath canning. And then, um, so all your jams, jellies, your pickles, anything that has a lot of vinegar added to it would be considered a high acid food. And then pressure canning is reserved for mainly for low acid foods. And so with pressure canning, what happens is you just have a little bit, a few inches of water in the canner and you put your jars in and you, you, you lock on the lid of the, of the pressure canner and the, as the steam, as the water boils, it creates steam and it presses, it pushes out all the oxygen. And when that happens, it increases the temperature inside the pot from what would be in a water bath canning just 212 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which is the temperature that water boils at, to over 240 degrees Fahrenheit. And the reason this is important is that um, botulism spores can only be destroyed if they, with a temperature of 240 degrees or higher. So they can't be destroyed in a water bath canner. So, um, which is fine because botulism stores can't survive in a high acid environment, but they can in a low acid environment. So low acid foods such as vegetables, um, beans and meat, legumes, seafood, all of that have to be pressure canned to in order to ensure that um, the botulism spores never activate that they are destroyed before they have a chance to activate and create the toxin and I know that this is important and you cover you cover all of that in your your book as well Um, but I know that this is important because I know a lot of people you know since the the pandemic hit you know have been taking on like activities that they normally wouldn't have taken on. And, you know, your book would help them take those that next step of, you know, instead of making bread, you know, any interest that they have in pickling and, and whatnot, it takes them on the mm-hmm. next step. 
Um, and and what I like is that you you include obviously like r- different recipes in your book um, to to cover that too. And like you know, here's a recipe. Here's how you make it. Here's you know what you need yield wise in order to you know create that can't um, that pressurized canning option. And um, and I know that, you know, some of this came about because of the hurricane that blew through um, Texas. So why don't you talk a little bit about why you were inspired to do all of this and, you know, growing up in the kitchen watching your grandmother cook? Sure. Um, so my grandmother was the only person that I knew that gardened and um, and preserved food uh, she lived, she lives in central Texas and we lived, I grew up on, on the beach in Texas. So no one there, no one on the beach gardens, <laughs> you know, so I didn't grow up knowing that. I just knew that my grandmother did. And she had all that. She had this back room with all these wonderful things in there. And one thing is I look back um, and think about my grandmother. She was, my grandparents were, were very poor. They didn't actually get indoor plumbing until I was well into my teen years. Um, and so, but one thing that was always true about my grandmother was that everyone was welcome at the table because there was always plenty. She had this back room where she had prepared foods for her family and for her community. And if somebody stopped in at dinner time, they were welcome. And so, um, when I, when we started gardening and then we started preserving food, one of the things that was very important to me is that people are always welcome at my table whenever they come. So if it's my teenage children inviting friends over and for the afternoon, we don't have to shoot them home when it's dinner time. We have food that we can open. So maybe we'll have a soup for a starter or we'll open another can of green beans or another can of meat to make, to make the meal stretch. And so I think that hospitality um, is something that we're losing in our society and so um, preparing meals in jars and food in jars allows me to be hospitable. So in 2017, Hurricane Harvey swept through our area and actually was pretty much right on top of where I live um, for quite a while. And so um, when it, it came in very fast, usually with a hurricane, you know, like you, you have days, like it, it follows this progression that... Um, you know, and you can prepare. Well, it turned from a tropical storm to a hurricane, to a hurricane five when it hit in a day and a half. So it was, and then it stalled out right on top of our area. And so when it was all said and done, we were without electricity for eight days and our community was too, like the entire community. And so um, a neighbor had come by and said that there were some elderly, we live out kind of in the country, and there were some elderly uh, neighbors that we didn't know, but she knew that did not, that had not been able to prepare, and they did not have food stored away, and they did not have the funds to go buy food, and so we just took jars of food, of soup, um, over to them, and we took our camp stove, our extra camp stove, we have gas, so our gas was on, but we, we have extra camp stoves and propane, and, and we were able to share with, with these people in our community, um, and it was very satisfying to me. 
it really met a, a need that I have to to help to be helpful to other people. Um, and then it all, one thing it also did was people started asking me, you know, how can I do this for my family? How can I make some soups like this that are safe and I can have um, for, so I don't have to go to the grocery store when a hurricane hit and fight all these people. You know, when <laughs> I went to the grocery store the day before, but I went for coffee. <laughs> yeah. You can't go through a hurricane without coffee. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I so, totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it really, at that, that point was when I realized, for me, this was just always something I did for my family. It wasn't a big deal. It's just, it made my life easier as a mom. Um, because I always, we rarely, I, I never felt the need that I had to go through a fast food place to, to get dinner on a super busy day. Cause I always knew that I had something in the pantry that we could heat up really quick and have dinner on the table in 15 minutes if I needed to. Uh, we don't eat like that every night, but we do, you know, a few times a week because our days are so busy. Yeah. It, but after Hurricane Harvey, it really, um, I think it, it grew me in a sense of seeing what the the true value in having these foods. Yes, it's for my family and yes, it's for Eve, but it's also to bless other people. And and that's important. And I think that's the other reason why it's amazing to have, you know, your book, Pressure Canning for Beginners and Beyond. Um, and also you have your other book, which is the the ultimate um, guide to preserving vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are integral to preparing for, you know, hey, just in case, or, you know, maybe you're tired. So you have all of those recipes that you've lovingly and painstakingly created and put in this book um, that's available. And let us know where can we find your recipes and where can we find some of your other craft ideas? Because given given the situation with um, it, the industries having problems obtaining um, products, you also have a website that covers a variety of other things, including craft crafting and gardening and, and whatnot. So where can we find your mm-hmm. book and where can we find you online? For sure. My book is... Um pretty much in all of the major booksellers. It is um, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, IndieBound, which you can um, look for it and then purchase from your local independent books, um, bookstore, uh, Books A Million, and then also um, online, like at Target and Walmart. So it's pretty much everywhere. Um, my website is called schneiderpeeps.com, and there is a variety of <laughs> things on there. There's um, some of our family favorite recipes. There's some pressure canning. Our very favorite pressure canned soups are on are published on my blog. Um, and then there are some crafting things. Um, you know, some, some things that I've done with my children as they were growing, and um, and just some ideas about simple living and what that means. And you know, simple living is the definition is different is individual. Um, and so my goal is to help people simplify their life in a way that's meaningful to them. And I think that um, that's the focus of the blog. And that's also the focus of this book. I hope that the people take these recipes and try them and then tweak them based upon the information that I give on tweaking um, uh, canned recipes safely for, for the things, for the um, flavors that their family likes. 
um, because these are the flavors that my family likes, you know, yeah. <laughs> and not all families like the same thing. So, you know, if you don't like, um, if you don't like thyme, then leave it out of your chicken soup. If you want oregano in there, put that or rosemary, put that instead. And so I hope that in this book, one of my goals is to give people enough information that they can create their own safe family um, canned food um, that's for them. And I, I definitely will. And I'll also, you know, pass along a copy to my uncle so he can, you know, learn <laughs> oh, a, awesome. another step. Um, but Angie, thank you for joining us on the show. And for everyone out there, go to Creative Simple Living with Schneider Peeps um, and go out and purchase her book, Pressure Canning for Beginners and Beyond. Thank you, Angie. Thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, in addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time, email us today at diningonadime at yahoo.com for our very low rates. Here's Chef Gene with our brand new segment. Chef Gene. Well, good afternoon, everyone. So we're going to introduce a brief little new segment. We're going to start on a monthly basis here at Food Farms and Chefs, and we're going to simply call it What We're Eating. And we're going to talk to you about some of the places that Kevin Amaris and I have been eating or exploring in the last few weeks in the region. And we're going to also invite you to Send us some emails at foodfarmsandchess at yahoo.com, and you can reach out to us and tell us where you're eating, and we can also uh, showcase some of that. So I'm going to kick off the list with a very simple one. Yesterday, however you want to call it, Indigenous American Day, Christopher Columbus Day in the city of Philadelphia, I got a little time to hang out at the Christopher Columbus uh, Italian-American Festival down at Marconi Plaza, and, you know, what a day of food it was. My highlight of the day, obviously, was I got to hang out and have several Esposito porchetta sandwiches. If you have not ever had an Esposito porchetta sandwich, you have no idea what you're missing. Describe. It is a whole roasted pig done with, you know, some long hots, a little sharp provolone, a little bit of you on it. It is an absolute delicious feast of everything swine. I can't say enough about Esposito's Porchetta. A couple other places that I happened to hit in the last couple of days that I just wanted to talk about was yesterday I finished off my day going a little Vietnamese and went to Pho Cali in Chinatown, which is the 1100 block of uh, Arch Street. Pho Cali had a wonderful flank steak and tripe pho. Uh, my daughter had a tofu pho. We had some incredible spring rolls with some amazing homemade uh, sweet and sour sauce that went with that, and then also a little bit of their house hot sauce. Pho Cali is, if you cannot get into Vietnam or you know one of the uh, Vietnamese restaurants in Chinatown, Pho Cali is new on the scene and it is an absolute wonderful gem of a restaurant. 
The night before, I had an opportunity to eat at a little place up here in Ambler that is called the Lucky Boot. Uh, I go there. Their barbecue is to die for. What I love about their barbecue, it is a long, slow uh, process. The meat is so enriched with the smokiness of you know, the process. They don't really do a barbecue sauce on the brisket, but it was just so rich in the applewood and the cherry uh, smoke. Just absolutely delicious. The macaroni and cheese is to die for. The mustard slaw was another wonderful thing. But the highlight of my evening was two things. One, an incredible bourbon selection. One of the best bourbon selections in the region and the cornbread with honey butter that was the absolute die for. And last but not least, in the last couple of days, I had an opportunity to go out to a place in Doylestown called Heirloom, which is very seasonable, very sustainable restaurant. The chef comes out of the CIA and then grew up in the Hudson Valley area, came down, settled in Doylestown, doing his own little thing. Heirloom is open for breakfast. And then you can get some dinners a couple nights a week. But anybody up in the Doylestown area, try to get an heirloom for their breakfast. You cannot go wrong. So that's where I've been eating. How about you? Um, well, last night I actually went to one of the, the restaurants that's in Delco. And it is an award-winning restaurant, actually, Ripplewood. Um, I had their Brussels sprouts and their mahi mahi, um, which is part of their, um, spring summer menu. So their new fall menu is going to actually drop this week, but I will say that the Brussels sprouts are on there all year round and it is amazing. I know we, you know, talked a little bit about like the, the sweet and savory and they kind of got it spot on with the Brussels sprouts because, it has mustard and balsamic and what in and you know the the earthiness of the Brussels sprouts with bacon so you get the saltiness um and then they actually cut it a little bit with apple which was interesting um so you kind of get all of the aspects of your your salt and your sweet and your acidity and it was spot on i i could eat you know, a whole platter full of those Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and then, you know, I had the mahi mahi that was, you know, like um, it was in a, a black, a blackened mahi mahi and then placed on top of a coconut rice that just was so phenomenal um, with pineapples, like fresh cut up pineapples within it. I mean, obviously, it's more of a summer forward um, meal, but it was absolutely delicious. And then I paired it with Gene and I's favorite bourbon. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually I had Elijah bourbon and then I also had been drinking a Manhattan and, you know, an old fashioned because I, I went a little crazy. So that's where I was um, recently. I've also been to the um, Bistro di Marino, which is in New Jersey, and they have a couple of locations. Um, they're absolutely wonderful as well. Uh, Italian food, they make everything from scratch, you know, including their lemoncello and um, chocolatello. Uh, I absolutely adored them and their gnocchis they're well known for their gnocchis and they give different options for it so 
their fall menu is currently out. Um, I highly recommend both those restaurants. Now, Kevin, where have you been? Okay, I'm going to give some love to my neighborhood of Port Richmond. This is my 24th year living in Port Richmond. I like to point out hidden gems, so to speak. And I'm going to give you a spot right now. It's called Fasone's Sports Bar. And that is at Edgemont and Ann in Port Richmond. And there's a guy named Tom who was taught by his mother and father to make delicious homemade Italian food. So if you guys are uh, Italian food lovers, I couldn't more highly recommend Fasone Sports Bar, Edgemont and Ann Street in Port Richmond. Tom was taught by his parents. Uh, He makes everything from scratch. I had one of the best meatball sandwiches I've ever had because the meatballs were homemade. And Tom goes to South Philly with the great bakeries and gets his rolls. So that's my first pick. My second pick in Port Richmond is a place called M&M Restaurant. That is at the corner of Salmon Street and Allegheny Avenue. Uh, Port Richmond, when you think of Port Richmond, you think Polish food, obviously. Uh, You think pierogies. And people go to M&M Restaurant at uh, Salmon and Allegheny for their breakfast mainly, but people don't know. They are, the owners are from Poland. They've been there many, many years. And she makes her own handmade pierogies. So a lot of people don't put M&M Restaurant in the pierogi conversation. Uh, let's, let's give our tags. For more information on the show, go to phillyrestaurantreviewswithanes.com. But I also want to point out, we are now available on the Facebook mobile app. Go to your Facebook mobile app, look up Food Farms and Chefs. You can listen to all 145 of our past episodes. Amorous Polly. Hi, you can find me on online and on social media at ARPolicus, or if you would like to email direct, email me directly or find uh, be a sponsor on our show, you can email me at ARPolicus at gmail.com. Chef Jean! You can find me across social media at IBFoodie2 or at Gene Plum, or you can email me directly at IBFoodie2 at Yahoo.com. That's I-B-F-O-O-D-I-E, the number two at Yahoo.com. Everyone have an absolute fabulous day. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.